Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Farm to Table Studios brings you today's edition of The Howl. Morgan's Farm to Table is located on County Road 42 in Nicollet and Burnsville. Taste the difference, award winning. The Howl would like to welcome you to the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Nothing But Net is a channel like no other featuring all teams and all topics on everybody's favorite sport, basketball. The Howl is also a proud member of CLNS Media Network and can be found on clnsmedia.com as well as Podient, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. The Howl is also produced with thanks to our wonderful supporting partners, Rhyme Sayers Entertainment, the pinnacle of underground hip-hop worldwide, Studio 23, where passion reigns supreme, and Isabel Street Heat, adding a bit of spice into your everyday life. I am the pop-pop fizz-fizz, oh, what a relief it is of the radio world your host kevin draves to my right is aaron dipsy do dunkaroo groshong the producer of the show and not joining us out sick tonight is rob hook line and sinker hess who is normally the master of all trades for the show rob we hope you feel better soon tonight we are joined by a very special guest darren doogie wolfson he is the sports guy slash anchor reporter for five eyewitness news and 1500 espn contributor and host and we'll end with our weekly review and preview segment second quarter is our talker segment and we have a lot of big nba and wnba topics to get to tonight as everyone knows defense wins championships oh wait dibs doesn't know that well in that case at the next game tell them it's time for the howl Quarter one of the Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. Tonight we are joined by a very special guest. Uh, if you are a Timberwolves fan, you know him on Twitter. He is all over the place, not just Timberwolves, but Minnesota sports in general. Uh, Darren Wolfson from KSTP, the jack of all trades sports guy, joins us in the den. Darren, thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time. I appreciate you having me on, Kevin. It's been a while. Now, you say very special. 
Do I owe you money for that? I'm not quite sure. I'm very special. I'm not even quite sure I'm special. My wife would tell you I'm certainly not special. So I appreciate the kind words, but I think you're overrating me. <laughs> well, let's let's just let's hit you right off the right off the bat with uh, with some tough ones here. Uh, the first thing I want to touch on, uh, we've seen it over the last couple games, and it's I think it's been a little bit more than just a flash here and there. But Andrew Wiggins seems to be stepping up defensively. Uh, a lot more than we've seen even early on in the season. Uh, what are your thoughts on him kind of, you know, just, just stepping up and, and doing what he needs to do, you know, not just scoring, but kind of every asset of the game here recently. I like his game. I mean, I'm darn near a Wiggins apologist. You know, I mean, there are many media types here in the Twin Cities that are really, really hard on Andrew. I'm not one of those. I still think he's got a pretty high ceiling. I don't think he's come close to hitting that ceiling. I don't think the bar was relatively high entering the year. That being said, I think this is his best defensive year. Certainly, if you just want to look at the basic statistics, whether it's blocks or steals, you know, but if you want to go deeper, you know, analytically and all that, I mean, I think the numbers suggest that Wiggins is having his best defensive year. That doesn't make him an elite defender or even a good defender, but for his standards, where they were his first three years, he's actually playing a little bit of defense. You know, I was at the game on Sunday night against Utah. You know, he came out, he started to hit some shots. He was aggressive. You know, we know he can score. You know, but it looked like he was he was engaged on defense. You know, then he started to miss some shots, and next thing you know, the Wolves are are down by twenty something, and they end up losing by by twenty four. But just on, on Wiggins himself, you know, I I think he's okay. You know, I mean, heck, he's he's worth his eight million dollars this year. The extension doesn't kick in until next year. You know, so anybody that wants to go at him for being overpaid, he's not overpaid right now. He's making a little under eight million dollars this year. He is he is worth his his salary this year. Let's talk about that very quick, Doogie. It I had actually tweeted out after Wiggins started hot. I think he was three for three from the field. And then at some point it, it, he hit uh, three for 11, which means there was uh, my high school math tells me eight consecutive misses that uh, before that I go, hey, this guy's playing like max contract Wiggins right now. I think there's a lot of when when people are looking at Andrew as a basketball player, they're associating him with a, such a high dollar and that expectation I think is only going to grow as we move into the off season into next season. What do you have to say for those that it would be naysayers that, you know, let's face it. We're talking about a 25 plus million dollar guy going into next season. Do we really see that jump happening over the next six months as we, we look into training camp for next year. I don't Do you see know, that Aaron, on the horizon? Yeah, I don't know if I see that significant jump in the next six months. It might be three years. It might be five years. It might be when he's in a different uniform. I do think, though, there is a ceiling that he can still get to. How high that ceiling is, that's open for interpretation. I'll say this much. He's still only 23 years old. Now, I won't call him a youngster. When you are now in year four, the end of year four, you have played, what, over 300 games, well over 300 games. You're no longer a youngster. But I still think whether 
You know, you want to use a Jimmy Butler or any number of players, a Kawhi Leonard, you know, where were those guys at 23 years old? Not to suggest that Wiggins will be the next Leonard, not to suggest that Wiggins will be the next Butler, but there are any number of examples of guys who peak when they are more like 25, 26, 27. DeMar DeRozan, I mean, that's oftentimes a comparison we hear. Wiggins to DeRozan. Didn't DeRozan make a monster jump year four? You know, and I'll also say... I just think it's a hard adjustment, you know, I mean, uh, something I said on, on 1500 ESPN got blown up by Bleacher Report by some other media outlets, uh, which surprised me, but, but that's another topic. But, but I did say, you know, there are some whispers that, that he is, he has shared with, with a couple teammates that, that he doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, completely get his role, that there's still an adjustment period. You know, you go from being in many ways, the alpha dog. I mean, he averaged what nearly 24 points a game last year. I just don't think that's real easy for, I mean, most of last year he was what, 21 years old would have turned 22 in what late February. So he spent a good portion of last year as a 21 year old averaging nearly 24 points a game. That's just not easy. You know, so he has, he has a clear, a very good NBA skill, you know, when it comes to, to scoring the ball, you know, I don't necessarily care all that much about assists. You know, I don't want him to necessarily get his teammates involved. I want him to score. Use that gift that you have, you know, with his athleticism, with his length. I would like to see the rebounding numbers, you know, go up. And, and they have at times, you know, and I would like to see him become at least a, an average defender, if not, you know, an above average defender, even if he will never be a great defender. You know, it's just with that athleticism, you know, find a way to, to stop more people. But, you know, he has. I mean, Friday night, I thought he did a pretty good job on Harrison Barnes. You know, I thought he did a good job that Sunday victory against Golden State against Clay Thompson. Now, I don't know if he was driven by by a few days prior against the Celtics. There were there were those clips. I mean, trust me, he's he's active on social media. I'm sure he saw those clips of of just those those snapshots of of his laziness against the Celtics in that Thursday <laughs> yeah. night game. You guys probably know what With, I'm talking without about. Without a doubt. You know, so I mean, he, you know, he, he he's He's got to be motivated in different ways. I mean, I've talked to Sam Mitchell at times about this. I mean, don't forget, Sam spent the first two years of Andrew's career coaching him. You know, one as an assistant, then one as the interim head coach. You know, and Sam's always said, I mean, Andrew's Andrew's a different breed, you know, but there's still a way to communicate with him, and there's still a way to to maximize his talent. Do I think Tibbs has done that? No, no, because again, I, I still think even after 300 plus games, there still is is a higher ceiling that he can get to. I just I, I can't tell you if he'll get to it in six months. I can't even tell you, Aaron, if he'll get to it. I just I think there's more there. I do, you know. Maybe that's just me again being heck. If you want to call me a Wiggins apologist, maybe that's me being a Wiggins apologist. But I'm just telling you, I do think there's there's a bit more there, but. But I also think being the third wheel or even at times when, when Teague is, is dribbling too much, being uh, the fourth option, I think there's an adjustment there. You know, and I do wonder if, if in a year or two, you know, where things might, might go. I mean, he doesn't even have an agent technically, sort of does, you know. But, I mean, I, I've heard whispers about his dad, you know, wondering at times about, about Andrew's role. I mean, it's, it's out there. You know, to suggest that there's nothing there would be, would be asinine. You know, so there's, there's something well, I'm there. In, 
Yeah, but, I'm in yeah. your camp, Doogie. Is I, I think there's there's much left in the tank, and I also, you know, I played basketball my whole life. I I definitely believe there's a, an adjustment period. You know, just because a guy's been in the league a handful of years, when you're dealing with new pieces, especially pieces that bump you down that first come first serve ladder, you know what I mean? In terms of Jimmy Butler, you mentioned Jeff Teague and being a little ball heavy. That's a real, real thing. So I expect it is, it's not, it's not an offense that is driven by the point guard. I mean, it's really driven by you know, the wings in particular, Jimmy Butler, when he's healthy, I'm just saying, put yourself in, put yourself in Wiggins' shoes. You averaged nearly 24 points a game last year. Then in the off season, the boss trades for a guy that plays your position. Even if we want to argue that, that Wiggins has position flexibility, Butler has position flexibility. Don't pigeonhole either one is, is just a two guard or small forward. Essentially they traded for a guy that plays your position. And Andrew Wiggins is just supposed to be this good soldier, say nothing, even though he got his max money, just say nothing. I mean, this is still a guy that, and he's no different than a lot of guys in the NBA. They have some selfish goals, right? I mean, Wiggins wants to be an all-star. I can't tell you many times I've talked to, to his quasi-trainer, Drew Hanlon. I mean, Drew, Drew hasn't worked with Wiggins for a while now. They did a little video work in November, but they haven't worked on the court in a long time, you know, but drew worked with Wiggins pre-draft process. Those first couple years with the wolves, even those first three years, really, you know, I, I can't tell you many times, you know, Drew's told me that, that Wiggins is driven to be an all-star. I mean, Wiggins might not ever tell you this publicly, but, but I can just tell you, I'm convinced Wiggins really thought by the end of year four, he'd be an all-star. He hasn't been an all-star yet. He just saw Jimmy Butler make another all-star team. He just saw Carl Anthony Towns, who went in a draft the year after him, make an all-star team. And Wiggins hasn't made one. I'm just saying, put yourself in Wiggins' shoes. I can just see where he would be slightly upset, even in, even though publicly that's that's not his DNA. I mean, he's about the quietest human being on the planet. You know, he's very just, you know, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but he's very even keeled, flat lined. You know, there's not a whole lot of emotion there. Uh, I'm just saying when, when they bring in somebody that plays your position, you'd have every right to be at least a little bit upset. So I'm just saying, you know, the Wiggins bashers, just remember that, you know, and just remember that yeah. he still has, he has a great NBA skill. He does. Yeah. I know? completely now, understand where you're now, maybe the bar that. has just been always unrealistic. I don't know. You know, just because he was the first pick, you know, because he was a stud at Kansas, you know, that, that he had star written all over him when he was a sophomore in high school, junior in high school, you know, maybe those expectations were just, were just unrealistic. I don't know. Do we think that, that every guy that goes number one, you know, that was, that was labeled a star sophomore, junior in high school is the next LeBron James. I don't, I don't know. You know, like I, I see that now with RJ Barrett, who's going to Duke next year. He's a Toronto kid that everybody's saying RJ Barrett first pick 2019 draft. Let's slow down yeah. a little bit. I mean, not that they right. play a lot of There's defense in the McDonald's all American game, but, but RJ Barrett didn't out. look any different than any number of guys. Aaron. So I'm just saying, I think, I think a lot of people put unrealistic expectations on Wiggins. Maybe that's the best way to say it. Very true. And and you had mentioned his name earlier, uh, coach Thibodeau. And I wanted to get this, uh, get your take on this. Now I've heard, and, and granted, this is a lot through the grapevine here. I, I don't have the sources that you have, which is why you're the go-to scoops guy here locally in town that Taylor is becoming a bit frustrated 
which coach Thibodeau. Do you have any uh, insight into this or is this more fluff than it is actual fact? And and let me ask you a, a second point here. While it's super unlikely, if the Wolves somehow miss the playoffs, could there be actual schism in, in enough where he's on the hot seat? Well, I'll go latter than former. I mean, okay. I guess it depends on how you define hot seat. Do I think Tibbs is in danger of losing his job if they somehow don't make the playoffs? I don't, mostly because he signed a five-year, $40 million-ish contract. And if you blew up Tibbs, you'd also blow up Layden who makes at least a couple million dollars a year. So if you're Glenn Taylor, are you eating 25 to $30 million to make a change? I'd I be can't see very that surprised. Now, again, depending on how you define hot seat, uh, sure. I mean, I, I think a lot of people from the owner on down would, would express the tips if they somehow missed the playoffs that, that so much was put into this year. And to miss the playoffs, especially after being in such a good position for so long, uh, yeah, I mean, the pressure would be, would be on even more. Uh, but I'm just telling you, you know, barring something unforeseen, you know, assuming health is okay. Cause I always wonder about Tibbs's health, uh, just because he's so maniacal, you know, I mean, you know, all the stories are true. I mean, he's in the office oftentimes early in the morning and, and there until late at night, you know, he's not married. As far as I know, he doesn't have a significant other. He doesn't have any kids. I'm sure. He's got some hobbies, but but basketball is his life, you know? So you just, you wonder with, with that sort of lifestyle, you know, and we've seen with Steve Clifford and Ty Lu, you know, some, some health hurdles this year. So you just, you have to wonder, you know, but, but assuming Tibbs' health is okay. And certainly Dr. Burns and others with the wolves, you know, certainly monitor his health, assuming his health is okay. I see Tom Thibodeau as the wolves coach come November, come December, come January. Now, so, if they miss the playoffs and then next year goes sideways, uh, maybe we would see change, you know, a year from now, you know, April of, of 2019. But right now, no, I also don't think they, they you know, uh, choke here and, and find a way to miss the playoffs. I mean, even if they end up losing, you know, I mean, looking at Denver's schedule, Indiana, the Wolves at the Clippers, Portland at the Wolves. I mean, I don't see Denver running the table. You know, even New Orleans still has at Golden State, at the Clippers, home against the Spurs. I mean, I just, I don't see a scenario. I mean, you know, there's a reason why, whether it's basketball reference or any number of websites that prognosticate these things, have the Wolves at like 92 to 97% to make the playoffs. So, you know, I, I do think they, they make the playoffs. Now, on, on Taylor, you know, I've had him on the podcast, my podcast, a few times, and and he has said, you know, any number of losses at Atlanta, at Orlando, at Chicago, at Brooklyn, home Phoenix. against the Suns in December. You know, Suns, I mean, he yeah. doesn't get it. You know, I mean, there are many losses this year where he's scratching his head saying, what the bleep? You know, but but Glenn's such a nice guy. It's it's not Glenn's demeanor to to scream. I mean, he'll have constructive conversation with Tibbs. You know, I'm I'm positive of that. Just asking how, why, you know, can you explain how you lost that game? What happened? Why don't you use your bench more? Why don't we shoot more three pointers? Why can't we play a lick of defense? I mean, those are conversations that are had pretty regularly. I mean, Glenn is, is certainly vested. You know, he's he's not just a I'm the owner and, and I'll sit back. I mean, 
Heck, there's a reason why he sits pretty much right next to Tibbs for every home game. I mean, he's he's fully invested in this thing. So, you know, he, he certainly asks Tibbs those questions. You know, so I'm sure. I mean, who wouldn't be frustrated in that position? If you're the owner and you're wondering, how do you lose to, to such a crap team, you know, mid-December against the Suns? You know, I mean, how do you lose? How do you lose to the Hawks? How do you barely beat the Hawks the other night if it wasn't for Towns scoring 56 points? You know, yeah, Dallas those are all is, is trying to lose, you know, and Dallas almost beat you on Friday night. I mean, those, those are all valid questions, but, but do I think that, that Glenn is, is contemplating any sort of change? No, I don't. So again, I see Tibbs here next year and I see them in the playoffs too. So again, if that 2% chance happens and they somehow miss the playoffs, you know, maybe we can have a different conversation, but, but I'd be pretty darn surprised if, if they miss the playoffs. So to, to spin off of that, how involved are the assistant coaches and Scott Layden in the team process? Uh, you know, and I ask that because we're not seeing the team get any better on defense than before Tibbs. And, you know, he, he kind of seems at times to refuse to use a bench that he himself seemed to put together. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, even Good question, Jamal, huh? I mean, Jamal's my guy. I mean, even Jamal you know, who gets his playing time and certainly gets his share of shots. I mean, even Jamal, I mean, selling Jamal on coming here, you know, he was pretty much told he'd play the, the same amount of minutes he played for, for doc last year, you know, and he's not at that. I think he played 25 or 26 minutes a night last year. I don't know exactly what he's at right now. I don't have the stats in front of me, but, but I can guarantee he's not at 26 minutes a night. Maybe he's at 21 or 22. So it's not, it's not ridiculously far off, but he hasn't gotten the minutes that, that he was promised. I mean, don't forget Jamal had, had an offer from the Cavs. He had an offer from who else did the wizards make him an offer? I mean, he had multiple offers after he got the buyout from the Hawks. I mean, Jamal had options. It's not like it was just here or bust, you know, Jamal chose here in large part because he thought he'd play, (laughs) you know, they sold him on playing time. And so he hasn't gotten that in terms of, of assistance involvement. I mean, you know, coach Greer is, is heavily involved. I mean, coach Pickney is, I mean, those guys do a lot of video work, you know, Tibbs leans on them for advice. I mean, they're meeting all the time. Uh, how much advice Tibbs is taking. I mean, that's, that's probably an interesting question. You know, I mean, he does, he does lean on late in a good amount. Now, how much Scott, you know, tells him in terms of, you know, Hey, you're doing this wrong or why don't we do this? I, I don't know their exact relationship. I mean, it's, it's a very secretive front office. Don't forget that. I mean, everything's on no lockdown over there. It's, it's a much yes, different animal than it used to be, you know, whether under Milt Newton or flip Saunders or even David Kahn to a degree, it was a little bit of an open book. Uh, not much, but, but this is, this is a different animal. This is in all my years of covering the wolves. I've, I've never experienced anything quite like this, you know? Um, so I, I can't tell you, you know, even though I'm the scoop guy, you know, allegedly at least, or, or self-proclaimed, uh, I can't necessarily tell you the exact back and forth that, that Layden and Tibbs have, but I can tell you they have, they have a very close relationship. And, and I can even tell you my, my colleague, my boss, Joe Schmidt here at, at five eyewitness news sat down with Tibbs for, for a while about three weeks ago. It was, it was the week that the uh, the Wolves played on Channel 5. It would have been the Golden State game, that Sunday game. That, that Wiggins played good defense. They beat the Warriors here. 
Yes, I remember uh, Joe, that game well. Yeah, Joe sat down with Tibbs that Wednesday. might have been that Tuesday. I think it was that Wednesday, the, the day that matter. And they talked on camera for like 10 or 12 minutes. Joe got what he needed. We were airing a, a special with Tibbs uh, that Sunday night, figuring the Wolves are playing on Channel 5. You know, let's capitalize. And I think there were some promos that ran during the game or what have you. Uh, but anyway, they ended up talking off camera for like 20, 30 minutes. It was, it was a while because Tibbs got approached by a number of staff members and, and he's like, no, I'll, I'll be there. And he gave Joe all sorts of good time. And so Joe's just shooting the you-know-what with him, just saying, you know, being, you know, the, the final decision maker, you know, do you have anybody you can really lean on? You know, like all these other coaches have people they can lean on, you know, or even if it's, even if it's the general manager that, you know, that, that they can lean on for, for all sorts of different things, including advice, you know, just a right-hand man. Who is your right-hand man? And, and Tibbs didn't hesitate. He said, it's Scott, you know, even if Scott maybe wasn't first choice. I mean, I think in a perfect world, Tibbs would have gotten Zarin away from the Celtics front office, you know, but Zarin is a Boston native uh, figure. Whenever Danny Ainge walks away, uh, Mike Zarin will be the next general manager of the Celtics. But I think in an, in an ideal world, uh, Tibbs would have gotten Zarin out of Boston to, to be his GM here. Uh, but he certainly has always had a good relationship with Scott. And I think that relationship has grown the last couple of years. So, so, you know, in terms of, of just who Tibbs goes to for advice more often than not, and who he leans on uh, for advice, whether he takes that advice, implements that advice, you know, that's, that's open for interpretation, but I can tell you the, the right hand man is, is, is laden. I mean, that's, that's his guy more than anybody, as much as he values Greer and Pickney, you know, guys he had in Chicago with him. Uh, it's absolutely Scott laden. All right. Uh, Doogie, let's get into some quick hitter questions here. Um, everybody listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel, enjoying this week's The Howl episode. Um, I'm joined here in the den with Darren Doogie Wilson, KSTP Sports. Now, I want to ask you real quick here, based on what you're hearing locally with your sources, I know people around the country that are listening to Dash Radio want to know when Jimmy Butler's coming back. Can you break down to, to the people what has transpired and, and what you see happening in the progress of Jimmy Butler making his return to the Minnesota Timberwolves? I think if we talk again one week from now, so if we talk again on, what is today, April 2nd, if we talk again on April 9th, I think we would be talking about Jimmy Butler's return. So whether that's Thursday in Denver, you know, would they play him in those back-to-back games? They go what Thursday, Denver, Friday, Lakers. Then a week from today, it's it's who Memphis at home, and then they finish a week from Wednesday with with the Nuggets at home. I do believe. Now, is it possible they wait until a week from now? So if we were talking at you know six something on Monday, April 9th, right ahead of the uh, the Wolves Grizzlies game, you know, I think we would know by then that, that Jimmy Butler was making his return. But yeah, whether it's Thursday, Friday, or next Monday. I am uh, I am certainly led to believe that, that Jimmy is close, and and that's not even necessarily breaking news. Just you know, we we heard over the weekend that that he's been cleared for contact. Uh, USA Today certainly deserves the credit for the for the advancement on on Monday afternoon, suggesting that that even though the Wolves didn't have media availability on Monday, that they did gather and and that Jimmy got in some five on five work. Uh, also, his his agent Bernie Lee was in town as recently as. Is Sunday night into Monday morning, but I know Bernie was was flying out of town. You know, so I think if Jimmy was was in a tough spot, his agent would have stayed in town 
maybe I'm reading between the lines a little too much on that, but but I figured I'd pass that along that his agent did bounce did bounce out of town. Uh, my point is, uh, I'm led to believe that, that Jimmy's darn close. You know, but again, you know, if it's not Thursday, maybe it's Friday. If it's not Friday, Monday. But but I am led to believe that Jimmy will be back before the end of the regular season and certainly be available for the start of the postseason when they open up on either, what would it be, either what, April 14th or April 15th, whatever that weekend is. We know the Wolves' first playoff game, assuming they make the playoffs. And again, I'm I'm convinced they will. Uh, you know, figure they're the 5, 6, 7, or 8 seed. They'll open up on the road somewhere, either that Saturday or that Sunday, I believe it would be April 14th or 15th. Uh, speaking of, of being ready for the playoffs, uh, Sunday night against the Jazz, we saw the official NBA debut for Justin Patton yeah. as well as Anthony Brown. And, you know, it was a, it's a small sample size, but uh, I, for one, I like what I see, albeit, you know, it's very still raw and not, you know, fully ready for the NBA game, but they both look good. Do you see them getting maybe a little bit more time here in this push? Or was that just kind of a, a, you know, early blowout? Let's, let's rest up a bit and get these guys some time. I would say Kevin, the latter. I mean, there's just, there's, there's no proof that the Tibbs is willing to, to throw, especially a rookie and Patton into the fire in these key games. Yeah. I, I think it was just, it was one of those situations where it was a blowout. He wasn't a game day deactivation. Uh, and it made sense, you know, heck they probably could have put him in, you know, a few minutes prior, but, but I'm glad he got out there. I think he's going to be a good player, you know, and heck for their, for their track record, he better be at least a useful player. When you think about, you know, the rookie Collins who went what one or two picks after him, uh, having a good year for Atlanta, you know, Kuzma going a, a few picks thereafter having a really good year for the Lakers. Uh, and I'm probably leaving out a guy or two that, that went after Patton. Did Toronto go with the kid Green. from Indiana? Where did OG Green go? Prince with Atlanta? Well, no, he would have been a couple of years ago out of Baylor. He was uh, my buddy Jared Nunes coached him at Baylor. Bad. That would have been a couple of years ago. Uh, did OG? Yeah, time flies. Yeah, I know. It, it all blends together. But, but I, can't, I can't recall if the kid from, from Indiana that, that is now starting some games for Toronto. Now, he was coming off a pretty significant injury. But, but the point is, uh, some good players went after Patton. So for the Wolves' sake, for their track record's sake, you better hope that Patton can, can do something. But it's unfair to judge Patton because he hasn't played. You know, so we can't write the final chapter there. You know, so let's see how it plays out the next couple of years. But, but I do think he can help them moving forward. Hopefully Tibbs will play him moving forward. But I think that's next year, not this year. I'm Brown. I mean, heck, I, I've always said, Kevin, to me, there's, there's more NBA players than jobs available. Anthony Brown is a perfect example. I mean, he's got, he's got a shot that translates. He can shoot. You know, he's got that three-pointer shot down. You know, that, that's an NBA skill. You know, he could help somebody. Heck, he could help the Wolves. But, but I, just, I don't see any proof that Tibbs is willing to extend his bench. You know, I mean, really, the only time that these guys might be a bit tired is, is Friday after the Thursday game. Uh, but they do gain an hour going Denver to Los Angeles, you know, then they play Monday. So they're off Saturday, Sunday, play Monday off Tuesday, play Wednesday, then off Friday, Saturday, maybe even, uh, well, Thursday, Friday, maybe even Saturday. 
if they open up on Sunday, you know, then the playoffs, the way it's set up in the first round, I mean, they might go four days between games. I mean, it's not like you're playing back-to-backs in the playoffs. So I think Tibbs' rotation is pretty much set. The only thing up in the air is when Teague is healthy, and certainly Jeff Teague will be back soon, uh, I would imagine that Teague does play on Thursday. Butler, again, up in the air Thursday, although I do think there's a chance Butler plays as soon as Thursday. But but certainly Teague on, on Thursday. Uh, when Teague is back, and, and Derek Rose is pretty much ready to go. So, you know, let's go on the premise that Teague, Rose, and Tyus are all good for Thursday. How does that rotation play out? I mean, the Clippers game, when was that, early last week? Or maybe it was two weeks ago. Uh, Tyus didn't play very much. Him and Gorgie got yanked out beginning of the fourth quarter. We didn't see Tyus again. You know, but then Tyus on Sunday night against Utah was really good. You know, I love Tyus. I I would play Tyus a good amount. But, you know, does Tibbs lean on his guy, Derek Rose? You know, so that to me is the only thing that's up in the air at this point. You know, how does how does the guard rotation work? You know, might we see a little bit more of of Tyus either with Rose, you know, Rose playing the uh, the off guard position with Tyus on the ball, or or might we even see a little bit of Tyus and Teague together? Yeah, we haven't seen it very much, but might we see it a little bit more? Uh, that to me is the only thing that's up in the air rotation wise. But but by by no stretch at all do I think that that Tibbs is going to play Patton or Brown. I just I don't see it. All right, Doogie, let's get into two final questions here with you. Um, you had just mentioned Derek Rose. You talked about the point guard, uh, Tyus Jones, who's also on the roster behind Jeff Teague. Do you think ultimately Thibs wants to keep Rose here? Or is this simply a Ooh. short-term signing due to injuries? I think more the latter, but to be determined. I would say that. Does that does that work, Aaron, or is that too much of a cop out? No, that's, that's uh, fine. I think yeah. I don't. You know, again, you know, as you know, this organization is to, so tight-lipped with everything. It's tough to gain any perspective, um, whether you're covering them or whether you're a, a casual fan watching this team on really what their intentions are. You know, I'm sitting here talking to you, and as of this very very moment, I would say. This is a kicking the tire situation. And then in the off season, it's simply going to break down to money. It's going to be what he feels yeah. he can get. Well, what I mean, his he value just, on the he, team to take a minimum deal from Cleveland. So I, yeah, I'd be shocked if, if Derek Rose is, is, is getting more than, than a minimum offer. And let's not forget. He was sitting on the, on the market here after Utah bought him out for a couple of weeks, better part of yeah two to three weeks with, without, you know, outside of the Clippers making a phone call, you know, and the Wolves making a phone call, uh, there really wasn't any interest. So, you know, Derek Rose is looking at another minimum deal next year. Uh, so I would imagine the Wolves might have some interest, uh, my question would be his camp, Wasserman Media. Uh, now, certainly B.J. Armstrong has a good relationship with Tibbs, but you know, Wasserman also has Bielitsa, also has Gorgie Jang. Uh, I can tell you that the Wasserman folks are, are wondering about those two, you know, and certainly Bielitsa heading into to restricted free agency. And then Gorgie got his money. I mean, he got the four-year, $63 million deal, but, but what the heck has happened to Gorgie Jang? I mean, a couple of years ago, Gorgie was really good. I don't think he was ever great, and maybe it's even a stretch to say really good, but I thought he was a useful player. I mean, he's he's borderline useless at this point. It's unfortunate. Uh, that's what it's turned into, and Taj Gibson has been excellent, so I can't fault Tibbs for, for playing Taj a good amount. Taj has been phenomenal this year. Maybe in many ways, Taj is having uh, the best year of his career. Uh, but Gorgie is now <laughs> just an afterthought. 
So you do wonder if the Wasserman folks are able to come up with an option or two that they might be able to steer Derek somewhere else. That, you know, Tyus is still here. Jeff Teague is still here. You might be fighting for playing time. Let's go somewhere where there's a little bit more stability in terms of, of being that first guard off the bench, or at least, you know, one of the first guards off the bench, maybe the you know predominant number two point guard. Uh, so I, I think we need to see how it plays out. But I'm just saying on a, on a minimum deal, I guess I could see the Wolves having a little bit of interest this summer. Uh, speaking of, uh, of, you know, free agency, you mentioned belly being a restricted free agent. We, you know, with everything in the system and the organization being as tight lipped as it is, we can only assume, uh, this, but we believe that the wolves want to keep belly around and he's played well with, uh, with Butler being out here. Can they afford him financially? And I mean, does he even want to be here? Well, <laughs> I think if the opportunity presented itself to go somewhere else, if you could sign a nice offer sheet, an offer sheet that, that his camp is convinced the Wolves wouldn't match, uh, I don't think he would be that upset. Uh, you know, but I think there's something to be said about some loyalty. The organization that, that drafted you, that brought you over here, even if it's not the, the people in place that, that physically brought you over. Uh, you know, at least some loyalty to the organization that believed in you. Uh, you know, and it's not like you have a whole lot of power as a restricted free agent, right? I mean, you know, some team like Indiana could make a nice offer, but then the Wolves decide to match. I mean, the Wolves are going to be over the cap anyway. I'd have to do the the math. I mean, do I think Glenn Taylor is willing to pay the luxury tax? No. I mean, I think you pay the luxury tax when, when you've won multiple rounds in the playoffs. You know, when you're on the cusp of winning a championship or, you know, you're the Cavs, you're Dan Gilbert from a couple of years ago, you won the championship. You know, that's when you pay the luxury tax. Glenn Taylor isn't paying the luxury tax for a team that even though I do think they're going to make the playoffs more than likely, you know, maybe they win one playoff game, but there's probably a good chance they're out in five games, maybe even four. Who knows? Maybe six. But but to think that they're going to win a playoff series might be a bit of a stretch. I just don't think Glenn is willing to pay the luxury tax for that. Uh, so I'd have to I'd have to do the math on that. You know, depending on what sort of offer sheet that the Bealitsa could potentially get. Uh, but that's also Bealitsa's issue. You know, and his agent's issue. I mean, there's not many teams with cap space. You know, and he disappears at times too. I mean, he's fantastic one night, then disappears the next. Like he was, he was non-existent against Utah, you know, but there's been other games recently where he's been excellent. I like him. You know, I, I like the idea of a, of a stretch power forward, you know, a guy that can make some shots, put the ball on the floor, you know, do some things, you know, uh, I really like that, but, but he disappears too much. So I don't even know what kind of money he'll get just with so many teams limited. You know, what is it? Like five teams have cap space, Chicago, Atlanta, Indiana. Does Philadelphia have a little bit of room depending on what they do at Redick, his expiring $23 million deal. Phoenix has a little bit of space, maybe Sacramento. But the point is there's not many teams with salary cap space. You know, the Lakers, I guess would have some space, uh, but it looks like they're, they're going all in on maybe 2019 free agency. So I don't think Bielitsa is, is ending up with the Lakers. So, I mean, the point is, I mean, can he get more than the mid-level? And if he signs an offer sheet for the mid-level somewhere, I mean, I would think the Wolves would match that. But again, I, I'd have to sit down and, and do the math because you have to factor in Wiggins' extension kicking in next year. You know, you got to think long-term. If you're paying Bielitz on a three- or four-year deal, you know, certainly Towns is going to sign a max extension before the start of next season. You know, and the idea is they can extend Butler as soon as this summer. Now, I don't know if Jimmy will take it this summer, but I think you make him the offer. You know, so where does that put you, 
math wise with you know Gorgie making 16 million a year and and the other financial commitments you have you might not be able to pay Bielisa 9 million a year 9.5 million a year but but I do think there would be some interest just because he's a good enough player and you don't have flexibility to be bringing in other guys and it's not like guys want to come here anyway uh, when there's so much uncertainty when it comes to, to minutes off the bench you know so if you've got control on Bielitsa to me, it makes logical sense if you're Tibbs and Layden to retain him. And, you know, you can always trade him. I mean, they can look at, at the trade market, but, but I just think it would be real tough to convince free agents to sign here when, when minutes are so up in the air. Doogie, I, I, I said earlier I was going to ask you a question about Belly, but it, it's more of a statement. And it's some of the analysis that I've seen throughout the season. You know, Belly plays well. You know, we get Wolves Twitter erupts. Oh, he's fantastic, great player. But then I look at that and I just think to myself, boy, that's going to make it tough on the Wolves trying to retain him. Because I do think there's moments as you look in the relationship between the organization and Bielitsa that we've kind of treated him a little wrong. You know, he had that injury earlier in the season where there was a lot of people discussing the fact that he wasn't coming back as fast as he he would have liked to or could have because he wasn't fully 100 percent. And it was oh, I think that's fair to say. I mean, I don't think time. he's one that wanted to play. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair, Aaron. I don't, I don't think he wanted yeah. to play at ninety percent. You know, in the middle of the season when the season is such a grind. I mean, if it was game seventy-eight or game, you know, seventy-one, you know, maybe so. But, but game thirty-eight to hustle back. I, yeah. I mean, when you're entering your restricted free agent, you know, year, you know, off season, protect yourself. Yeah, you got to protect yourself, right? especially if you're not getting the minutes that you think you're capable of, of playing. I mean, that's when Jimmy was healthy. I mean, it's not like Bielitsa was playing heavy minutes. I mean, there were games where, where he was playing like seven minutes, right? Nine minutes, hard to get into a groove. So, you know, when you're not getting the minutes you think you deserve, why the heck would you rush your ass back? You know? So I, exactly. I started, I started with Bielitsa on that. You got to protect yourself, you know? So yeah, I mean, he wanted to make sure he was 100%. You know, again, if, if the stakes were higher, uh, if he had certainty when it came to playing time, yeah, maybe he would have come back at 90%, you know, but, but on, on waiting so long, I'm just telling you, I don't fault him one bit. You know, Doogie, I want to wrap this up, but I want to finish on one topic that I had on my mind and you had brushed over this and it was in reference to Jamal Crawford in the fact that Hey, he was told one thing a little bit. It didn't seem like he was getting the minutes he should have or was discussed. How big of an impact do you think that could have on the Wolves free agent chances going forward? When you have a guy who's so well respected around the league, such as Demal Crawford, you know, if somebody wants to come to the team. Oh, hey, organization says I'm going to get this many minutes. This is going to be my role. Well, based on what we've seen with Crawford, that could be a different story. So I, I wonder, you know, did they really do that well by, you know, maybe saying one thing and doing a little bit of the other? What do you think of that? Have that has that ran across your mind? Yeah, well, I would say this, Aaron. I, I still think money talks loudest. So if the Wolves are offering the mid-level to some player and he doesn't have any other mid-level offers, I think the player still takes the mid-level. So he still signs here. So, you know, if the Wolves are offering the most money, they can still get a good free agent, a guy that can help them off the bench. Uh, but guys talk, you know, guys text, all that, DM. 
Uh, and certainly Jamal has as thick a Rolodex as anybody. I mean, go through Jamal's phone. He's pretty much got every player in the NBA's phone number. Uh, you know, so it wouldn't shock me if, if word travels. Uh, but I also don't think Jamal, being about the nicest guy on the planet, would uh, would be too harsh. I mean, he might just lay out, hey, I don't need to tell you anything that you can't see. You know, go to my player profile on NBA.com or ESPN.com and look at my minutes played. Look at what I played the year before. Look what I played with Minnesota, you know, and just leave it at that. I mean, trust me, the word's out there. I mean, every yeah, agent is aware that, that Tibbs doesn't use his bench. I mean, it's, 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 it's not any sort of revelation, <laughs> you know, I mean, Tibbs has his guys and, and that's pretty much it. But, but I'm just saying, if you're an agent and you've got your client getting a mid-level offer from the Wolves and you don't have another mid-level offer, you're taking the mid-level from the Wolves. You're just, you're taking the money. You just are. So, you know, will it, will it destroy the wolves this summer? No. Uh, I still think they'll be able to get somebody. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I can tell you word, word has traveled, you know? And again, all you got to do is look at the box scores. Just look at minutes played, you know? I mean, just Tibbs doesn't use his bench. I mean, just, you know, look at, look at the amount of minutes the starters play and, you know, lack of rest and all that. Um, yeah, I mean, the word's out there. It's, it's not, it's not any sort of shock that, that Tibbs all of a sudden isn't playing his bench. I mean, that's, that's, that's been who he is, you know? And, and Hey, Tibbs has won a lot of games. He was a former coach of the year, right? I mean, he's done a lot of good. I actually think he takes too much heat in this market. Uh, he has uh, a heck of a resume. He really does. Uh, you know, so, I mean, I, I can't fault him. I mean, that's, that's what he feels like works. That's the way he needs to win. Uh, you know, get this franchise back to the playoffs for the first time in 14 years. But I can just tell you, there's a lot of agents that, that have taken notice that, that he does not use his bench. Well, and then that's the frustrating thing, but with the playoffs coming up here, uh, hopefully that's the, uh, that's the route he goes. Darren, I'm going to, I'm going to let you go. We got the national championship game coming up here shortly. I know uh, you're all over that. Plus uh, uh, you're always a busy man as usual. So I really do appreciate you taking some time to, uh, to talk wolves with us Uh, again, Darren Wolfson. You can find him on Twitter at D Wolfson KSTP. Not just if you're a Timberwolves fan, but Vikings, twins, wild, everything. Uh, Even, uh, uh, Caleb Truex, uh, if you're a boxing guy, the local angle there. So yeah, uh, my guy, big fight on Saturday. Yeah. Huge, huge fight. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. Again, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I really appreciate it. You got it, Kevin Aaron. Always good to catch up. Uh, so coming up, we've got our review and preview here in the first quarter and, uh, we'll break down the wolves action. That's coming up. All right. Continuing on quarter one with our review and preview segment. Again, a huge shout out. Thank you to Darren Wolfson for joining us. Uh, Aaron, the wolves, four games that we're going to talk about here. Um, in this review segment, the wolves go two and two and man, this is, this is such a tough time for us. Let's start with the first game. I'm vulnerable. A, a game that we need to absolutely destroy the Memphis Grizzlies at home who haven't won a road game in 2018, lost 23 of their last 24 and they come in and the wolves fall flat and it's embarrassing. The wolves fall flat and it's embarrassing. Kevin's analysis and I can't argue at all. It's what it felt like. The trouble with 
games of this nature, the wolves seem to just they're flat there's there's no intensity and in the first quarter you can basically book it this isn't going to end well as a diehard wolves fan and somebody who's been covering the team for a handful of years here it's it's like a small suffering because i'm watching it and i'm like what's happening nothing's happening the way you want it to i can't really put my finger on how and why this game went wrong other than our intensity and effort, it simply was not there. The The passion and the vigor that a team should be playing with at this time of the season, especially, and this is in reference to your points, the Grizzlies losing 23 of 24, haven't run a, won a road game in 2018. You have to take the steam out of them right away. Granted, Paul, uh, Marcus, I was about to say Paul, uh, played fantastic he's not going to back down and then you have other guys that start to kick in harrison um it just becomes tough you know wiggins started off extremely slow he ends up finishing seven for 17 you'd say okay average game but really it was the start of the game that that did them in the grizz were in control anything you want to talk about other than how sad you were I mean that that's really the the main pivotal point here is is how sad I am. Um again though I have to say Taj Gibson great game from him 18 points, 8 rebounds, playing way too many minutes but I love to see that from him. Uh, Teague played really well. Cat had a decent game, 15 and 12. I mean, six assists, though, is what I really like to see from him. Um, but the one that I was really disappointed with was Nemanja Bialica. No points, one assist, four rebounds in 22 minutes. Uh, 0 of 5 from the floor, 0 of 3 from three-point. If we want to if we want to be consistent and have any chance of making a run in the playoffs, he's a guy that we need production from. We can't keep having these spotty nights where he'll go from 18 points to 2 to 20 to 0 to 13. I mean, it's you want consistency. We need more consistency from from Belly. You know, the crazy thing is is you dive into the box score and it really there's some games where they they don't correlate. In this game it does. Outside of Teague and Gibson who really were the two guys giving it the most effort that I would say they played 43 and 42 minutes after this game they were talking about how exhausted they were Teague has now set out a game because of a soreness in his right knee the minutes are adding up you have Crawford who logs 30 minutes in the game but only is three for 12 from the floor struggles down the line a lot of zeros dang really didn't do much and that's enough on this i mean it was a sad loss and a loss at a time and a point in the season that it simply cannot happen so moving on the wolves have a night rest and then they take on a team that honestly scared me a lot and it's, it's weird to say but it's the atlanta hawks i mean both you know you and i both know and i think a lot of our, our well, we've seen know, it the wolves have issues with struggling eastern conference teams the wolves have issues with struggling nba teams in general but especially those eastern conference teams no no matter if it's a home or road game uh the wolves at home in this game and man, if it wasn't for our guy, 
it would have I think we may have been in the same situation but Cat says you know what I'm going to carry this team on my back 15 rebounds and you know what's better than that 56 freaking points yes a franchise record for carl anthony towns this is more than a cat and a kitten this is like a litter of kittens a cat maybe brought the lion yeah Ooh. roar roar (laughs) (laughs) that was so creepy kevin just stared me right in the eyes he's like i I never want that to happen again the most sultry roar from the both of us that we've ever had so it was interesting too because the hawks had the control at the start of the first quarter it was towns then you could see him really putting in that effort going that extra mile to be a guy to carry the load for this team the the wolves end up sealing this deal basically after the first quarter it was all but you know figured that the wolves were going to win this game carl towns is going to do everything possible to do that 56 points on the night 19 for 32 from the floor six for eight from three and all the shots look good you know the pace in which he played the moments when he picked it up the intensity that i saw from him and i feel he could do that every night and maybe not Easily. 56, but that type of effort, that's what you want to see. You look at the game before the Grizzlies, you didn't see that type of effort from him. And then here, he puts it all together. Wiggins fills in solid, 7 for 13. And, you know, post-game interviewed in the locker room, he's saying, hey, you know, you just kicked it into Towns tonight, and we just let him let him do his thing. And you know what? When a guy has it going like that, you do. Belly bounces back, has a solid effort, 14 points, finishes two, uh, excuse me, two of four from three-point line, six of eight from the floor. Anybody else you want to talk about, Kevin? I think the the one that I like to see here, first off, the Wolves need to win this game without Kent Bazemore, without Dennis Schroeder in the lineup. Yeah, where they, are, they're benching five of their key guys. Yeah, those are games that they got to win. Uh, shout out to Minnesota's own Mike Muscala. Yes. Uh, 24 points in this game, four of six from three. You know, I, I just I like to see Minnesota guys step up uh, and props to our bigs for keeping John Collins in check. Ten points, five rebounds in 24 minutes. So they did a good job there. Um, overall, I'm happy with this win. It wasn't necessarily the prettiest, but um, I say it all the time when when you and I play ball air and it doesn't have to be pretty. It just has to it just has to go in. It just has to count. <laughs> And the uh, the Wolves get the 126-114 victory over the Atlanta Hawks. Kevin, before we jump into this next game, the Mavs game, I do want to say John Collins, it looks to be everything of the real deal. I love John Collins. Yeah, I like I, I really do. The, he's got a good physical size to him. Yep. Uh, he's athletic. I think he's a very smart basketball player. I think the, the Hawks hit one there with John Collins. What's even scarier is they're going to have a top five pick this year as well so you're gonna put john collins with anybody in that top 10 in what what a lot of people are calling a super deep draft this hawks team is going to be one i think that you know on the rise quick that that is on the rise very quickly another team with a budding young superstar 
the Dallas Mavericks. The Wolves went to American Airlines Center in Dallas on last Friday night as the Wolves took on the Dallas Mavericks as we see a wind down to the illustrious career of Dirk Nowitzki. We kind of see the maybe the uprising. I think he retires this year. So I'm calling, the, I'm calling it the Dirk retirement. That's tour. fine. You can call it that. Um, but we see the uprising of one young point guard, Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, I got to say, I, I love his game. I love everything about his game. He's going to develop to be something very special. And the Wolves in this one, the, the score is a little bit closer than it actually really was when you look at it. Oh man! Like how so? Because well, I mean, the wolves the wolves are up four with seven seconds to go. Ugh, dude, let Listen, me let me tell you. Farrell hits a three in the corner. Let me tell you this: if it was not for Jamal Crawford, this is a loss all day long. This game felt like the Grizzlies game. Towns was doing everything he could to keep us in the game. He finishes. I mean, twenty one points, twenty rebounds unbelievable right there but then you dive in it you know eight for 21 from the floor that's not the the greatest performance and wiggins had an awful awful game four of 17 from the field although i i will say he did hold harrison barnes in check for most of the game but if it is not for some crazy crazy clutch shooting from jamal crawford this is a loss I don't necessarily think so. I mean, <laughs> okay, that's oh my goodness. We're gonna get it. This has we, to be the whole hot topic. Are we, are we really gonna debate a game against a low level twenty three and fifty four Dallas Mavericks team? I mean, honestly, this could have been the season. You have no idea. We are in no, such but a. We got the win, so what does it honestly matter? Yeah, well, if it was a loss, this could have been a big, big. I mean, we oh, can't if we, afford. If it. we got the loss, I mean, honestly, this okay. is a completely different conversation. Oh. But we didn't get the loss, so who honestly? cares we got the win like i said in the previous game against the hawks what did i just say aaron as long as it goes in it doesn't get, have to be pretty it just has to go in oh, the wolves man. got it to go in they got Ke- it to kevin's out. slogan in, in his dating life <laughs> <laughs> hey you know what oh man. find me on tinder oh don't <laughs> all right so Real quick, I do want to say Dennis Smith Jr., he is the real deal. Before the season started, we actually picked who we thought the rookie of the year was going to be. Dennis Smith Jr. was my choice, although that was before we got the full glimpse of what Donovan, Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell can do. And all all the credit goes to him because that guy's a stud. Um Dennis Smith Jr. will be. He got in a lot of fall trouble early. I think he had four falls, if I'm not mistaken, after the first quarter. Um, him and Teague were really going after it. Teague was not trying to back down. Both were in fall trouble. The Mavs have one of the ugliest rosters in the entire NBA. They may have the worst. I don't even know. Uh, when Dirk, <laughs> I mean, where do they even begin? Let's, outside okay, so, of- so let's, go, let's go down this real quick. Yogi Ferrell. You've heard of him. Oh, yeah. You've heard of him. That's about <laughs> it. Uh, Harrison. We've heard Aaron Harrison. No, Andrew. Right? No, it's Aaron. Okay, Aaron. It's Aaron Harrison. See, you don't even know. Uh, or I don't know. Maxi Kleber. Kleber. Uh, Dwight Powell, we know. Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, Flopomatic didn't play J.J. Barea. Hold, hold on, hold on. Pump the brakes on Dwight Powell. I've always liked his game. I always expected more. But then whenever he plays, it's like kind of nothing. Yeah. 
He's like, he's like, it's underwhelming. You know what he reminds me of? You know, sticking with the Easter theme here, he reminds me of those like little like peeps. No. It's like the little flower pot with the with the disc of seeds. You put a little water on it, and it might turn into a little plant, and then you throw it away like a week later. That'd be like the equivalent. Different, different generational thing, Aaron. No, no, nobody, I didn't. Nobody grows. I little. just got one as a gift. Oh, yeah, sorry whatever. for whoever gave that to you. Um, okay, moving down the line, Harrison Barnes. We obviously know. Well, in in Harrison Barnes, you know, this is a guy. Classic case. Was the was the perfect third fourth wheel in Golden State? He wanted his big money. Literally, has never remember, lived up. To remember it. the Wolves? Well, that like, the Wolves were interested until not, Harrison mean, not said, for, "Not for the money." But I want a max deal. Just think how different this team would be if freaking Harrison Barnes was on it. Who's the next guy? Uh, Kyle Collinsworth. Sure. No idea. Yep. Seth Curry. We know mm-hmm. Dorian Finney-Smith, Jalen Jones. Wes Matthews, Doug McDermott, Dougie Buckets. Like, what's Wes Matthews doing? He didn't even play. He didn't. Uh, Salah Majiri. What? Jonathan Motley. I know that name. Majiri? What did you say? Yeah, Salah Majiri. He's like seven foot. He's a Salah. He's, he's got like like coleslaw pretzel thin legs, like pretzel stick legs. Like they're <laughs> is that really his name, <laughs> yeah, Kevin? Salah Majiri. Oh my gosh. Or Mejri. Mejri. Sorry. Yeah, I don't. I think you butchered his name. <laughs> no, it's Salah Mejri. <laughs> okay, whatever. Uh, Nerlens and Dirk. So yeah, a super underwhelming roster. Does Nerlens even want to be in the NBA anymore? I think he wants to be in the NBA. I just don't think he wants to be on the Mavericks. Oh my goodness. But how how underwhelmed has his career been? Very. I, I mean, mean, nobody really talks about him much anymore. You know, he thought he was going to be the first pick when he got drafted, and then he was pissed because he slid, and then really never found a home in Philadelphia. And that's yeah, that's that's almost a completely accurate representation. Is it? Yeah. You're just you're just pacifying me to move on. All right, <laughs> let's talk about the game that we all wanted. Oh boy. This game was billed as the biggest game since the playoffs. And if playoffs. you and if you can remember when that was, yeah, you, you get cool points. The Jazz are in town. It's April Fools. It's Easter. It's Sunday. Kevin, you know what? I'm going to start by looking on the bright side. Okay. Hey, there you go. I want to start by looking on the bright side of things. And that is we got to see the debut of Justin Patton as well as Anthony Brown, Anthony Brown. And I think that is 100% a great thing to see. Those guys get minutes. Anthony Brown hit a corner three. Uh, Justin Patton hit a very Kevin Draves-esque lefty hook from inside the post. Great to see he, you know, obviously my, my tweets at him about that little lefty shot. He's been working on it to make me proud. And it shows You're giving him tips. I'm giving him tips. Um, you know, the fact that, that they actually got some play in this game. I I'm very happy to see that to me is where the positivity ends. What are we, I mean, what, what, else, are, what else positive can you take from this game? What are I we mean, doing here? I don't I, know. I tweeted very early on, especially when Ricky started shooting, um, one of my favorite pictures that I have in my phone, which is a gentleman looking through a, uh, a or a police officer, sorry, looking through a, a trash bin. 
who says, hey, look, I found your opinion. I said all those fans that thought Rubio wasn't a good point guard and didn't belong on this team as he shoots five of six from three, puts up, what, 19 points, something like that, uh, whatever the exact number is, but he lit us up. Now, you could sit here and say, well, Jeff Teague wasn't in the game. He was going against Tyus and Aaron Brooks, who doesn't deserve to be on an NBA roster, but... Regardless, this was the revenge game for Ricky, and he put us in his, in our place. The crazy thing was, before the game started, Ricky was essentially a game time decision. We, uh, did you did you think he was going to miss this game? Honestly, did you think Ricky would do anything? I actually, I actually, there was a part of me that did because I figured with them knowing Teague was out, that they felt they could win it without Ricky, and. The way the Timberwolves showed up that night, they probably that's probably right. They could have. They had no chance. Nonetheless, Rubio buries the Wolves. The Jazz look every bit of a defensive juggernaut as build. And the combination of Derek Favors, Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles, this is some serious length and size. They're, they're scary, honestly. And, and I mean, you put Donovan and Ricky, 44 points combined between the, the two of them. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, Exum, Favors, Gobert, Jay Crowder. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's another 46 points right there between those guys. I mean, they, they've got options. They've got a lot of good scoring options. The way Donovan Mitchell played, and, and you talked about their scoring options, 10 for 15 from the floor for Donovan Mitchell. So in control for a rookie. And this is a guy who at times can get a bit carried away. You know, he's a heat check guy. I get it. He's young. He's, you know, he's that gunslinger. And that's fine on a team that's super defensive. And if you have a lead, why not ride a hot hand? The Wolves could get nothing going on. It was actually somewhat close. If you remember this play, and this is a key play, Thibs actually mentioned it in the post-game press conference. Tyus Jones is on a breakaway. He tries to dunk it because basically if he tries to lay up, it's getting blocked. Right there, I think it was a five-point game. It could have been a five-point game. I can't remember. Anyways, that was the turning point for me because it was – we missed the layup or slash dunk, whatever you want to call it. Comes down on the other end, it's jazz ball. And really the rest of the game is history. Kevin, you said the positives were the Brown and patent plane. Yes, that's because it was a blowout. And this is just tough. I mean, you look at the four games we just recapped. We go two and two. We have a tough loss to the Grizz. I would have loved to seen the team go four and oh. Obviously, um, it's just tough right now. We are in a dogfight in the Western Conference trying to get to the playoffs. And these next three games that we are about to preview are going to be extremely important. Vital. Yeah, no margin of error here coming up. The Wolves will face the Nuggets. Kevin, want to dive into a quick uh, preview of that game? Yeah, I mean, real I mean, real quick in this, we face the Nuggets twice in the span of a week. The Nuggets are on the outside looking in for a playoff spot. This is a game that we can't afford to lose. You got, a, I mean, a guy that you and Rob and myself all wanted on this team Jamal Murray, yes, uh, the the Joker, Nikola Jokic. I mean, this this is a, a pretty solid team. Uh, the Wolves can ill afford to lose any game here of the four remaining, uh, but this game away at the Pepsi Center 
on TNT, the Wolves need to show that they are the real deal this time of year. Now, in, in talking with Darren Wilson in, uh, in our interview here earlier in the quarter, he said that any one of these four games, Jimmy could make his return, is from what he's being told. I could easily see this as being the game. You know, you lose a game like that to the Jazz, the Wolves need a boost, and Jimmy coming back for this game I think would be a huge kick in the pants that this team needs. I think Jimmy's return happens Monday, April 9th against the Grizzlies, which we'll preview here in a second. But, hey, if Jimmy's up for a Thursday game against the Nuggets, the good news is is now between the Jazz game and the Nuggets game, they have five days of rest. Well, let's call it four. Let's call it four. There's tra- tra- but there's travel in there, too. But at this point in the season, getting four, four days of rest, I think, is huge, especially when your point guard just sat out because he's got a sore knee. This is going to be a, a huge moment for the Wolves because – if they win against the Nuggets, that rolls into a Lakers game. I think you get a lay down there in the Lakers, which really rolls into the Grizzlies. And you cannot lose to the no. Grizzlies again on the no. home court. This, this, If the Wolves lose this game and they've lost either of the games to the Nuggets or the Lakers, it's an abomination, and I will not have it. And I will I will start the website, firetibs.com, like if that's the case. I, we, we can't have it. Um, As I'm typing in firetibs.com right now, see if it's an actual site. <laughs> yeah, let me know if it's available. Um, all right, we need to get into the second quarter. It's our talkers segment. We've got a lot to cover and only a little time to do it, so you're not going to want to go anywhere. We've got WNBA mock drafts, NBA mock drafts, March Madness, uh, just so much to cover. You're not going to want to go anywhere. Coming up, quarter two, you are listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and The Howl. Here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel, this is our talker segment. This is where we break down everything NBA, WNBA, college basketball, you name it. We talk about it here. And Aaron, I want to start off with the draft that is coming up more recently here. Okay. Less than 10 days away from the 2018 WNBA draft, which is headed at Nike New York headquarters, uh, April 12th at 7 p.m. And the Lynx have three picks in the draft, a little unconventionally after they traded away their first-round pick to Phoenix. Uh, but they've got two second round picks. Uh, so the mock draft that I'm seeing here on draftsite.com has the Lynx taking Stephanie Mavunga, a fo- uh, power forward from Ohio State, with their pick in the uh, in the second round. Yeah, she's six foot three, and what we notice in the mock and. I think this begs some discussion is what position of need are we looking at in this mock draft? We have a power forward and two centers being selected in the second and third rounds combined. And what's interesting is Kevin noted uh, one of his most intriguing players actually slated to go in the third round. Lexi Bando of Oregon. She is going to be really, really damn good in this league. I will tell you right now. And you like the three-point shooting, that's right? I do, yeah. Her her three-point shooting ability is definitely one of the better ones in the class. Um, There was some injury concerns early on in the year. She missed, I think, seven, eight games during the the college season uh, with an injury. And she kind of got outshadowed a little bit, if you will. Um, 
Well, and but, you, I mean, but she still she still held her own. Um, there was a a freshman. I'm I'm trying to remember her name. I, I'm blanking on it right at the moment. It's okay, Kevin. Um, it happens. But but Lexi Bando is is absolutely incredible. Oh, sorry, Sabrina uh, Ionescu. Who's the freshman from uh, from California who has the handles that you've seen in the YouTube videos? Uh, she kind of overshadowed a little bit Lexi's game, but Lexi, I mean, a, a, an Oregon native, a duck. She is going to be something very, very, very good in this league. And she's a senior. Is she that is correct? A senior. Yep. So, and and you like Bando because of the three point shooting. Uh, we just recently had Coach Reeve on the show. We asked her, um, you know the evolution of basketball in general to adopt more three-point shooting which means you need more three-point shooters on the team she discussed hey you got the players you get to play with her players are some of the best mid-range players in the history um with that being said bando could be a step in that direction um but I will say this, of the power forward and center class, um, some names to think about, uh, maybe Jamie Nared, uh, power forward from Tennessee, that could be a name to look for. Uh, Jill Barda, power forward from Gonzaga. Um, Nared, 6'2", Barda, 6'3", you know, some good size. Well, even even uh, at the end of the second round, it has the links projected to take Kaylee Jensen, a 6'4", center from Oklahoma State. Exactly. So, I mean, it, it seems at least on draft sites mock that they think the Lynx need some help with the bigs. And I'm I'm okay with that. Maybe maybe a pick or two, but I mean I think I think you gotta look at someone like Lexi Bando, um, you know, shooting guard. I mean you, you gotta you gotta kind of build evenly across um, not a lot of small forwards in this draft, especially available in the later rounds. Um, Tiana Muldrow, who's projected to go a couple picks before uh, to the Connecticut Sun, if she falls uh, as a small forward, I would take a look there as well. Well, you have a you know a possible choice in the second round if you don't go power forward, a small forward on the on the table potentially again in the second round could be Shaquilla Thomas of Florida State small forward. She's listed at five eleven, a good score with Florida State. You know, really, I think what I I would like to see some flexibility in the choices. I'm fine with drafting a player for size and rebounding, uh, maybe as a, a fill in for Brunson or yep. Falls if you need be in a pinch. And then let's add a shooter. I can't. I I'm not going to knock shooting, and that's that's how I make my hay on the basketball court. So that's it right now. We're going to do some deeper dives into the WNBA draft, but it's just around the corner. So stay tight. Keep it locked in um, following the links on Twitter, um, you know, and pay attention to who is going to be around in that second and third round where the Minnesota links are selecting. Yeah, we'll uh, I mean, we'll we'll discuss a little bit more in depth uh, on next week's show, which will be the week of uh, the WNBA draft and uh, kind of see if there's maybe some some inklings of, of what the links are going to do. Uh, this is going to be a fun year for the Lynx, and I think uh, it'll be great to see kind of what direction they go, and and we can get a sense of of the direction of the team based off of these draft picks upcoming. Uh, switching over to the men, Aaron, uh, we have a, a couple mock drafts to run over there as well. 
the Wolves projected as of right now. Now, the, granted, this is obviously as long as they make the playoffs. We'll have one draft pick. That is the Oklahoma City Thunders draft pick, which is slated somewhere between like 22 and 26. I mean, really, that's probably a realistic. Yeah, toss up. Realistic right range. 24 I mean, or whatever. How yep. well they do. If the Wolves were somehow to miss the playoffs, they would keep their pick, which was traded to the Hawks, and have two picks in this first round. Yeah, and there's some in the fan base here in Minnesota and even around the country, a Timberwolves fan that could, you know, they they may want to see those two first round picks. I would argue that I would like to see the team make the playoffs take that first round pick and go from there i don't think this team really can value two first round picks we don't need rookies so much as we need veterans and guys that have been there before so unless you can flip those two first round picks into uh, an absolute stud or something that can land you a, a mid-level exception type player or a veteran that can bring something to the table I'm all about making the playoffs. I'll take this uh, late 20s pick. It's, it's something we need. It's it's I honestly even if we don't win the series, it's best for the fan base. Here's the thing, Kevin. There are some fine players here in this section of the draft. You can find that diamond in the rough. Hey, where did Kyle Kuzma get drafted last year? Right? Yeah. So that's what I'm just saying. There's guys available. You know, where did Draymond get drafted for Pete's sake? I mean, you can hit home runs at this stage in the draft. You must do your due diligence. Okay, so let's dive into some mocks. You know, let's pretend we're looking at 22 I, to 26. Can I show how much of a homer I am right now? Tell me. So my projected pick, if available at this point, let's say 20, you know, but in that 22 to 26 range. Yes. Go figure. A University of Oregon shooting guard, Troy Brown. The one thing I'm I'm concerned about with him is his three point percentage. He shot twenty one point nine or twenty nine point one percent from three. But the guy's got a lot of upside. He's got great wing size, very versatile. Can play the point guard or shooting guard position. Something I think the Wolves need is somebody that can bounce from that. Because I mean, if you look at it, you have your three point guards, you have your shooting guards. There's really nobody on the team that has that versatility of playing both positions. And a guy like Troy Brown definitely can. If You can obviously work with him on his three-point shooting, but um, he, he, I think he's got a lot of upside, and it's somebody that we wouldn't need to rush into the spotlight right away. And that's okay, Kevin. I, I would actually go a slightly different route. If shooting is what you want, a top-tier NCAA shooter in this range. It's actually two Duke players. The first one, Gary Trent Jr., would be available possibly in this range. Some projections have him going higher, yeah. some have him going lower. That's the fun part of this time of year. The other is one of your favorite shooters from Duke. No? <laughs> You can't see, obviously, because we're on the radio, but <laughs> I just gave Aaron a death stare. Because Grace and Allen. Yeah. Come on. Ish. Okay. But I will say this. That is some of the projected ranges that Grace and Allen is going is in that late 20s. Hey, we need shooters on this team. Duke, Duke gives them... I tell you what, if you're a player coming out of Duke, you have been coached well, you should succeed at the next level. I think either two of those gentlemen would look good wearing the Timberwolves colors. I will say this. 
Grayson Allen is one of those guys that gives his all on the court. He, you know, I mean, 110% effort. He's a good athlete. I just red flags with his whole tripping and and all of that kind of thing. That's that's what scares me away from him, especially when I think that there are better players at this position in the draft available that that the Wolves could go for. Uh, one of those being a shooting guard, small forward from Nevada in Caleb Martin. Yeah, um, you do like Martin. I know that. And I mean, an Oak Hill Academy guy, six uh, seven, good. I mean, good size. Good versatility. He showed he's got some good game in the uh, NCAA tournament. I think that's somebody that we should look at. But, Aaron, what I'm noticing is a lot of these mock drafts have us taking power forwards and centers. I mean, I I don't think that's a necessary um, pick unless you're trying to just go best player available here. Well, we may have to do exactly that, given the place in which we're drafting, again, late 20s. I will say if Cincinnati's um, is small forward, Jacob Evans is available. I think that could be a good look. He's a junior. He could bring it a little bit on the defensive end. I like the position flexibility. He could play the two, could play the three. We'll do a deeper dive. I know Rob has, he's out sick. Um, He should be back next week, just like maybe Jimmy Butler. And we will have some mock drafts ready for you guys. And we'll be going through this. You know, the NCAA tournament's about to wrap up. Guys are just starting to clear um, their draft eligibility. And things are starting to evolve on the men's side, just the same as on the women's side. So this is a fun time of year to be a basketball fan because you don't know what you're going to get. Kevin, the Wolves have a second-round pick 48th possibly is that it is it locked in i don't know i don't know if that's locked in but yeah i mean figure in that 45 to 50 range is where we're going to end up this is a based off our record of yep. course uh so nba draft.net has us projected to take jalen hudson a 6-6 shooting guard out of florida i do like that pick i could also see maybe the wolves trading down a little bit here picking up a, a second round pick for next year kind of thing and then i'd like to see them go after a guy like jp makira the Lakeville North uh, Xavier University (laughs) standout. Um, I I like his defense. I like his three-point ability. Three and D, man. Um, And that's what the Wolves desperately need is a three and D guy. And a smart basketball player. If I'm J.P. McCure, I'm sending my resume to to coach right now going, you know what, take a look at me. Let's see what happens. And if you think you may be able to get him as as an undrafted free agent, go that route as well. But... Um, definitely someone that the Wolves should take a look at. What's funny is I said, hey, in the first round, we should look at uh, Jacob Evans from Cincinnati. As soon as I say that, I pull up another mock draft. I see him sitting down here at uh, 53rd overall. (laughs) So it kind of goes to show you nobody really knows where who's going at this point. There's going to be a lot of vetting out, a lot of draft processes to play out into the individual workouts, the team workouts, you know, bringing the guys in, how that is all going to look. Raleigh Alkins from Arizona could be available. A 6'4", 225 shooting guard, great size, could be a perfect backup for us, a guy that doesn't have to come out and play right away, but is it, you know, Sophomore, I think still offers you plenty of potential. You know, maybe Javon Carter, 6'2 point guard, big guard. He's a senior from West Virginia. West Virginia known for some excellent defense. You know, 
the Timberwolves need defense more than ever. Yeah, we do. So, real quick, before we wrap this up and get into halftime, Aaron. Okay. What is the biggest position of need for the Timberwolves in this draft? I would like to see if we can find a bruising center that's like a rebounding nightmare for other teams. I would like to see that other than if we can draft a tried and true, like elite three point shooter that those are my two, two biggest Cause shooting guards, small forwards, somebody that can just, that, that, that can, that can shoot. And that the, the three and D guy that we need, you know, uh, may, and that could maybe be a player named Bates Diop from, Ohio State, Kieta Bates Diop, six uh, seven, two thirty five. He's a junior, almost twenty points per game, almost nine rebounds per game. That could be a wing that could really, you know, we could turn into a lockdown guy. I'd like to see that. I like it. Okay. I like it, Aaron. Uh, you know what? We're gonna wrap it up here. That does it for the first half show. Stay tuned for the second half coming later this week on iTunes, Stitcher or anywhere great podcasts are found. You can listen to us on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel on Wednesdays from 2 to 5 p.m. and Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central.